0: The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia from boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport. Winbet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $500 risk-free sports bet. Download Winbet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We'll support you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use the promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's propswap.com and the promo code SGP. Also brought to you by Pixwise. Pixwise is the number one home of free sports betting picks. Visit Pixwise.com to make your next bet better. Also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with the promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for your chance to win $1 million. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app. SGPN is giving you a chance to win one. 000, 000. on NFL Week 1 exclusively on the SGPN app. You are listening to Scott Messa Adalia here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter, at sgp soccer. That's at SGPSoccer. You can find my additional content over at my website, LockBetting.com. That's all one word, LockBetting.com. We have delivered our clients 99 months in a row of transparent track profit. Well, at least that will be official in the next four days you can come along for the journey and sign up for September the 1st and be a part of that 100th month in a row as we chase 100 months of transparent track profit. That means I haven't had a single losing month in sports gambling for... Eight years and three months so far. We go to make it eight years and four months as we look to land that one hundredth month in the month of September after a very successful month of August. We're transparent because we post spreadsheets for every single month. They can all be found at Lockbain.com. And the last month will be the pin tweet at the Twitter account I mentioned at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. So the previous month will always be the pin tweet. You can currently look at the month of July, and five or six times, five or six days' time, you can go and look at the month of August. It is. A fully transparent service where we genuinely have delivered 99 months in a row of transparent track profit. And September is a great month to come on board. You can still get the domestic soccer futures from August if there hasn't been any significant line movement. There has been with some things. For example, Norwich City to get relegated from the EPL. That was available at even money plus 100. That is now significantly at odds on, but some stuff hasn't moved. We're talking about Serie A, for example, Juventus to win the league. You are now getting a better price on that and you'll get an even better price once Cristiano Ronaldo departs. We'll be talking about, talking more about that to start the show shortly. So. You can still get those August futures, and in September, there will be a plethora of futures for you to bet on. The U.S. Open tennis begins this weekend. You also have the NFL season starting. You can easily get the futures we've already posted and the futures that we post in the month of September. And of course, off the back of yesterday, the Champions League draw means the Champions League starts in September. All of those futures are yet to come off the back of landing over 15 units in the Champions League from the group stage qualifying phase just last season. So an unbelievable time to sign up as we go for that 100th month over at LockBetting.com. I'm going to quickly address an issue that I addressed in more detail over on the EPL show. We need some reviews here. We need some interaction on Twitter. We need to build a soccer betting community. There is no point for me. Going 8-1, which I did do on the first episode of Scomessa Italia. 8-2, 8-2 if it's a bear shitting in the woods. There needs to be some engagement. I don't need to do the shows like this. It doesn't need to be a lock. There doesn't need to be a parlay. It doesn't need to be a dog on the EPL show. It doesn't need to be a parlay on the Serie A show. We don't need to analyse every single game and close out with an actual lean or a play on each and every game. We don't have to do that my My job is to analyze every single game and give you the statistical data from which you can read between the lines and go and make your own bets if you don 't want to interact or help with the growth of the show. We can stylistically change the show it doesn 't need to be a, a show where you get free picks on every single game and a, and a lead pipe lock at the end, which has resulted in a seventy three percent lock record since the start of the Soccer Gambling Podcast, or since I started doing soccer shows on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. That was way back in 2014, we've maintained a 73% record. That doesn't need to carry on. The way it carries on is if there is interaction, if there's, if there's tweets on Twitter, which leads to retweets and likes and, and spreads the, spreads the word about the podcast. We need word of mouth. We need those iTunes reviews to get us on a bigger position on iTunes, a higher position on iTunes. So it leads to more listeners and more recommendations. We knew, we need all that from you guys. So I said on the EPL show and I'm going to say it here. Send me your reviews. Send me the iTunes reviews via a tweet or via a DM. What that does. Is it guarantees that you will receive the locks next week. If we don't get enough reviews this week, and I do have a figure in mind, if we don't get enough reviews this week, then I will be removing the locks from the shows and they will only be going to people that DM me their iTunes reviews or that interact with me on Twitter. That's how we're going to have to do things. So, nothing is guaranteed here. What I would like is a whole load of iTunes reviews that are indicative of the fact that we ended up going eight and one last week and eight and two on the EPL show and eight and two the week before that with a 24 and five record to start this season and a 73% lock record all time and weeks and months and years of profit continuously. Give me those iTunes reviews and uh, we don't have to change anything. I don't want to change anything. I want to give you as much free stuff as possible because I want the Soccer Gambling Podcast to grow. It is an equal priority for me. As I said, I could do this show very, very differently and give you much less information, and the sign-ups, given my record at Lockbetting.com, would go through the roof, and that is where I make a lot more money, but I'm not a massively money-orientated person, which is a weird thing to say on a gambling podcast, but the growth of this brand is far more important to me. I want to be up there with a a Pixwise or a Barstool Sports and all of these more well-known companies. We belong there because across across the board, on every podcast that we do, the information the entertainment and the picks that we give out have warranted in more money here by listening to our podcast, especially mine. And I'm not going to be modest about it. The Sports Gambling Podcast is great. um, But the Soccer Gambling Podcast is the podcast where I have been giving you more winners and more money and a higher percentage of wins than anybody else that I work with, more so than all of my colleagues. So in particular here, the Soccer Gambling Podcast needs and deserves your itunes reviews so make sure you give me those this week dm me your reviews or tweet them which should be even better over to the sgp soccer twitter account now as that's at sgp soccer that's at sgp soccer and make sure on september the 1st you sign up for lockbetting.com to be a part of that 100 month of transparent track profit now moving on with the serie a show we're not going to get on with the picks immediately here as, as some people will be hoping that we do because um we cannot ignore the cristiano ronaldo situation now I did not address this over on the EPL show because I recorded the EPL show first. I wanted it to sit for a little bit and see what was really happening. Well, what looks like it's really happening is Cristiano Ronaldo is 100% leaving Juventus. And the only team that seemingly wants to sign Cristiano Ronaldo and needs Cristiano Ronaldo is Manchester City. Now, the only thing I think that can stop this at this point is Manchester United deciding that they want to salvage their reputation and buy the players. So how does it damage Man United's reputation? It damages Manchester United's reputation because Cristiano Ronaldo is a Manchester United legend. This is our player and we can't be allowing him to go to Manchester City and then putting up a massive sign that says, Welcome to Manchester with a sky blue background and Cristiano Ronaldo on it. We cannot allow that. Cristiano Ronaldo will vilify himself to the Manchester United fans. But more importantly for Manchester United, if Manchester City go on and win this title with Cristiano Ronaldo in the team, we will be questioned about why we didn't try and sign the player. Do we really need him? I don't think we don't. I don't think we do, sorry. I think there's a definitive plan in place to get through this season with Edison Cavani as the main striker, help aid the development of Mason Greenwood, and next season be in pole position to sign Haaland to come in as the replacement for Cavani. I think that is a very, very clear plan and why Manchester United were never interested or in the market for Harry Kane. Now, as for Manchester City, they do need Cristiano Ronaldo. So, this does make perfect sense. There's a striker available. You want to compete for the Champions League. Sergio Aguero's gone. Why don't you sign Cristiano Ronaldo? What makes it confusing, though, is why you let Sergio Aguero go if you were going to end up signing a 36-year-old in Cristiano Ronaldo anyway. What makes it even more confusing is why you didn't pay the extra 20, 30 million to get Harry Kane across, who would have been a player that played for you for five years. It's all very confusing, but nothing's going to be more confusing than Cristiano Ronaldo actually leaving Juve for Manchester City. Because I don't think that this move necessarily puts Manchester City in a stronger position for the Champions League. There's just something about that competition where it doesn't necessarily mean whatever signings you make gets it over the line for Manchester City. There's just something about it where Manchester City can't win it. The same thing for PSG. So whereas people will automatically be looking at this as a two-horse race, I'll be looking behind at the likes of Bayern Munich and Chelsea again to retain it, as opposed to automatically going with a Lionel Messi or a Cristiano Ronaldo team. Because if that was the case... Juventus, with a Euro 2020 winning defence of uh, Chiellini and Benucci, along with um, Alexandro as their left back as well, by the way, would have gone on to win the Champions League before that. They've got a decent midfield and they had Cristiano Ronaldo. Juve haven't come close. So I understand that Manchester City are a team who got to the final but their problem wasn't their ability to score goals en route to the Champions League final. Their their problem was the poor tactics that they played in the final. Ironically it was their manager who's, who's lauded as this great tactician that let them down because he was outplayed by Thomas Tuchel in the final or, or out-tacticked by Thomas Tuchel in the final and he lost, he lost other games to Thomas Tuchel last season as well. So the the kryptonite of Manchester City last season was Thomas Tuchel. It wasn't anything that they did in terms, of, um, in terms of their attack. Obviously, it would have been better had Sergio Aguero been the old Sergio Aguero and fully fit. And there's no doubt that Manchester City do need a striker. But for me, I don't know if Cristiano Ronaldo automatically spells the Champions League. I think over the course of a 38 game season. It will head the um, it will make me lean towards them winning the Premier League because I think over 38 games that signing will end up being justified once you add that proven goal scorer, the, the amount of chances that you'll create that can be that can be taken by a striker of Ronaldo's calibre as opposed to relying on a false number nine, just, just the fact that Ronaldo's greedy and wants to be in those positions, that's going to be a different difference maker over 38 games. Over the course of the, the Champions League campaign where you go to two-legged knockout stages or even a one-off game as the final, I think the likes of a Lionel Messi, a Kylian Mbappe, a Cristiano Ronaldo, all of these players can be neutralized by man-to-man marking, So it's very, very different when you're looking at a one-off cup competition and you're looking at a league season. How do I feel personally about it? Um, I don't imagine United fans are going to be angry. Yes, I'm going to be angry. I think this is a ridiculous move for Cristiano Ronaldo. At 36, when you've won everything other than the World Cup. Which uh, obviously cannot be influenced by by signings, winning leagues everywhere, including the Premier League and winning the Champions League as well. There's absolutely no need to do this. There's absolutely no need to vilify yourself to the Man United fans. There's absolutely no need to put this dent in your legacy. If you're looking for legacy extension and you think this is the way to do it by adding one more Premier League and 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 one more Champions League medal, this actually doesn't because this damages your legendary status at a football club where we're the ones that put you on the map. Manchester United are responsible for the. The fact that we have cristiano ronaldo on the world stage and we have the whole messi ronaldo dynamic because that started when messi was at barca and ronaldo was at manchester united before he moved to real madrid and yes there's no denying that it grew when he moved to real madrid but the root of the rivalry was when cristiano ronaldo was playing champions league finals against lionel messi as a manchester united player so do i think ronaldo's actually going to go to manchester city today as i'm recording this show I do. Two days ago, I did not. I did not think he would ever make this Judas type of move, but now I think he's actually going to do it. There's too much out there to suggest that he will, including saying goodbye to his Juve teammates. What position does this leave everybody in? For Ronaldo, I've already said, I think it's a terrible move. It could lead to a Premier League title. I don't think it'll lead to a Champions League, but it damages his legacy at Manchester United. Manchester United fans are obviously going to hate it. They're going to be clamouring for new signings in the window for Juve. They're going to need to sign a new striker. They may possibly ...possibly go back for Moise Keane that was an old player of theirs. I mean, there are other strikers available, so it'd be interesting to see who Juventus go to when they get Ronaldo off their wage bill. Will it affect them, though, as much as people think in the league? If they sign that replacement striker, I'm not too sure it will. In fact, it may may make other players a lot more useful and productive here to Juve. Because, look when Ronaldo's there, everybody's in the shadow of Cristiano Ronaldo. He dominates everything on the pitch. He dominates everything off the pitch with the publicity as well. We may see a better version of Dybala. We may see a better version of a lot of players. We may see a more united team that rather than giving everything to Cristiano Ronaldo, all the free kicks, which he never scores from because he is massively declined as a, as a free kick taker and has declined as a player. Um, all the penalties, Cristiano Penaldo, I believe he's called on social media because um Especially because he won the Golden Boot mostly through penalties during Euro twenty twenty, so this is not a player that's at his peak. He's incredible for any normal thirty six year old, and this is very much like signing a thirty two year old as opposed to a thirty six year old. When you look at the shape that Cristiano Ronaldo's in, when you look at the condition, when you look at the fact of uh, he plays so many games still for somebody his age. But he's still a 32-year-old. Even if he's four years younger than than his actual age, body-wise, it's still a 32-year-old. It's not a guy at its peak. It's not the same signing as bringing in a Harry Kane. It's not the same signing as bringing in a Haaland or an Mbappe. And Mbappe's not even a player that I really rate. I think this is a desperation thing from Manchester City where they've decided that, Um, I don't know if they've decided they would rather do this as opposed to Harry Kane. I just think on principle, they weren't going to get Jack Grealish and Harry Kane in the same window and pay £50 million million more for Harry Kane than they paid for Jack Grealish. I think the Grealish signing wasn't necessarily anyway. I don't think that the squad Manchester City had necessitated the, the signing of Jack Grealish in the first place. So I think you already put yourself in a weird situation for FFP regulations by signing Grealish and then trying to sign Harry Kane. And we know anyway that Manchester City are a team that cheat, they, they fiddle their accounts, there's no way that they that they stick to FFP regulations. There's certainly something dodgy going on here when you're so poorly supported that you cannot sell out your first home game of the season. When we see empty stands there, when we see Manchester City being a, a tin pot dog shit club that release all of their tickets early on in the season, because that's the only way they'll sell out matches and still. At this point, after a month when tickets have been on sale for the Manchester Derby, Manchester United versus Manchester City, the biggest game of the season, you can still go on Manchester City's websites and buy thousands of tickets for the Manchester City Man United game. In fact, the Manchester City Arsenal game is on general sale this weekend and you can sit anywhere. So this isn't a big club. They may have big owners and they may be trying to make it on the world stage and they may have signed Jack Grealish as their version of David Beckham and they may sign Cristiano Ronaldo and make up for the money in shirt sales alone but they're not a big club, they're not a massive club of of the stature of a Liverpool of a Manchester United, of a Real Madrid, a Barcelona uh, the Milan clubs, Juve, they're not in that club, Ronaldo's moving downwards here he's making a downward step, he may not be making a downward step in terms of um, trophies at the end of the season but it's a downward step in terms of the calibre of clubs he's played for before Manchester United are massive, Real Madrid are massive, Juve are massive, Manchester City are a a tin pot shit oil club, um, which I would never move to and and shit and piss on my own legacy like Cristiano Ronaldo is doing by making this move to Manchester City so I do think it's going to end up happening I do think we're going to have to suffer through this big sky blue sign of welcome to Manchester with Cristiano Ronaldo on it because look this is an embarrassing tin pot club that is their mentality that is the kind of shit That they would do. Yes, Manchester Manchester United would probably respond to that, but at the end of the day, they're the ones that started it with Carlos Tevez. And as I said, this is a backwards move for Cristiano Ronaldo. It is a shit and piss on his own legacy. I will personally see him as an arsehole and a Judas for doing this. I will lose all respect for him. Many Manchester United fans will lose respect for him. He will get booed out of Old Trafford when he turns up to play on that pitch in November. I don't understand why you would want to be doing this. Um, I don't understand why you would do this to Sir Alex Ferguson, the, the manager that made you, the Manchester United player that probably even called you up this week and said, Why are you doing this, Cristiano? I'm not interested in your explanation. I'm not interested in anything you have to say. You're an asshole. You're a Judas. You're a piece of shit. And I speak on behalf of many Manchester United fans where I don't think we no longer want anything to do with Cristiano Ronaldo. So I have no doubt about it. It's going to happen. We're going to see that shitty sign posted up. Welcome to Manchester. From this club, who cannot even sell out their own home games, and they won't sell out any games with Cristiano Ronaldo playing either. So, congratulations to Cristiano Ronaldo. Enjoy playing at the empty-head stadium on a week-to-week basis. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's really all I have to have to say about it. I'm pretty disgusted by by the whole situation. And uh, for us having the the Juve f- future here on them to win the league bringing it back round to to betting, I do think it's important that they do try and secure some sort of goal scorer here in this window. Now, obviously, clubs are not going to be willing to let their top names go. We've seen Inter Milan sell Lukaku and they had to settle for Eden Zeko and that was the player they bought in. Maybe they can go for Martinez from, from Inter Milan. I'm not sure that they would sell. They, they didn't sell to, to Tottenham. They ended up holding out. Tottenham, of course, have ended up keeping Harry Kane, so they don't need him anyway. But I think when you're looking at players that are available, you have to be looking at possibly bringing back a Moise Keane. You may be looking at, at a uh, Divock Origi, possibly from Liverpool. The options are not great, so it is difficult to see obviously, how uh, Juventus are going to be able to replace Cristiano Ronaldo, but I think they have to go out there and and sign somebody, and uh, Moise Keane, I think, from Everton, he's not playing, he went away from Juve for big money, he's already been at Juve, I can see this move happening, and I can see him coming back, and I can see him being an adequate replacement, I can see him scoring 20-25 league goals here for Juve in the position, and, uh, and rising to the occasion, and being what he was supposed to be before he left Juve in the first place and he went for decent money and it won't cost anywhere near that to bring him back so I think it's worth the gamble and I think he'll be the player that comes in plus we'll see an additional contribution of goals from all around the the rest of the pitch from other players we need a big season here from Dybala and I think if we see a big season here from Dybala I don't think they're going to miss Cristiano Ronaldo as much as people think yes um, I don't think they'll compete for the Champions League and yes, Manchester City are in a much stronger position to win the, the Premier League. But I don't think it automatically means anything in terms of Manchester City winning the Champions League or for this Juve team no longer being worthy favourites. But as I said, I reiterate, I do want to see them bringing in a striker. Um, Moise Keane, I think, will be where you, where you go to. Uh, I think Origi would be another one to look at. Maybe even uh, Abamyang at Arsenal. I understand that Abamiang scored a couple of goals this, uh, sorry, scored a hat-trick this week in the Carabao Cup. But he had a very poor season last season. He seems unsettled at Arsenal. He doesn't seem to get on with Arteta. The Arsenal fans seem to be turning on him a little bit. There seems to be a little bit of love lost there between the player and the supporters. And maybe this is time where for Aubameyang to move on to, to a different club. He scored goals everywhere he's been. He has scored goals at Arsenal, at least initially. He scored loads of goals at Borussia Dortmund. So perhaps he could be the man that they look for. I would definitely be looking for, for someone. And I think I'd feel a lot more comfortable about our future. If Juve are able to get a significant striker signing over the line here before the close of this transfer window. And I think they should have someone in mind. Otherwise, you shouldn't even be looking to get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo because remember, they're in a position where they've got this player on the contract for a year. They don't have to do this. They are not obligated to sell. So I would like to think that they do have someone in mind and I'm not just simply making this sale to to get Cristiano Ronaldo off their wage bill and get this 25 to to 28 million pounds for one of their players which is going to put them in a in much weaker position to challenge for the Serie A title this season. So moving on to this week's Serie A slate off the back of going uh, 8 and 1 last weekend. 8 and 1 is what we did for the opening weekend of scomessa italia we start with Udinese at home to venicia uh Udinese available here at four to five it's five to two on the draw and it's 18 to five on venicia the underdogs Good spot here to take Udinese. They fought back from 2-0 down last weekend to claim a point against Juve. That was a bad start for Allegri. They looked very comfortable at 2-0 up. They actually had to bring on Cristiano Ronaldo who requested that he didn't want to play in that game uh, to get them a winner. He thought he scored the winner but it was chalked off by VAR. But looking at Ronaldo's emotions in that point in time. It felt like there was a chance that that he would stay at Juve. It seemed like he was emotionally invested, but I think that's just Cristiano Ronaldo as a player. He just wants to win, which is obviously... um Indicative of this Glory Hunter move that he's trying to make here. Um, but Udinese did make that fight back. They did get that point. They did get that 2-2 draw. Uh, promoted Venezia were, were, were beaten by Napoli. Despite having a one-man advantage for a majority of the game. So that was a very, very poor result. And Venezia have won just one of their last seven competitive away games here. And obviously now being in Serie A. That's a massive step up. I'm going to go for the established team here in Udinese to pick up a win here on Friday. Another game we have today is Inter Milan traveling to Verona. Inter looked excellent last week. They are the three to five favorites to win again. It's 16 to five the draw and it's 17 to four here on Verona. Again, this feels chalky, but I think getting into at this price is surprising to me, and I'm going to take them to win here. One thing that could happen is you could see both teams scoring in this game. There is statistical data for that. Uh, Juve won 4-0 in their opener last weekend, whereas Verona scored twice in a 3-2 defeat to Sassuolo after being reduced to 10 men. And Verona have scored in each of their last four home games, of which they've drawn two and lost two. So Inter winning with both teams scoring does represent a little bit of value here at five to two. But the, the safest way to make money on this game is to take Inter on the money line. I do think they make it two from two and uh, establish themselves as real challenges to retain their Serie A crown, despite selling major players and losing their manager, of course, uh, with Conte going and Romelu Lukaku as well. On Saturday, we move on to Atalanta at home to Bologna. Atalanta landed last week 's lock in injury time, so a lot of luck attached to that I think they 'll find things easier against Bologna, and the odds indicate that as they are the one to three favorites it 's seventeen to four to draw and it 's seven to one here on Bologna. Obviously, we cannot take a a, a one to three play here, although it does uh, does make for a decent parlay piece as I do think this will be a comfortable afternoon here for Atalanta Atalanta of one. 11 of their last 15 home games in Serie A are drawing two and losing two. They have taken their last six home league meetings with Bologna winning the last one by five goals to nil. However, Bologna have scored in 11 of their last 17 Serie A games. So this is another game where we could see both teams scoring. It is available here at 7-4 to four with Atlanta to win and both teams scoring at 7-4. to four. So that one's interesting to me. Um, but I also think Atalanta will win this by, by more than a single goal margin. So I like Atalanta minus 1.5 here on the Asian handicap line here in this one. Moving on to our next game here on Saturday, we have Lazio at home to Spezia where Lazio are the 1 to 3 favorites also it's 4 to 1 on the draw and it's 7 to 1 here on Spezia. This again could be a, another parlay piece because I think it will be a comfortable afternoon here for Lazio. Lazio have been involved in transfer dealings themselves. They've actually just sold uh, Joaquin Carrera to Inter Milan. So I think he'll be the, the real replacement for Romelu Lukaku. What's really interesting is that uh, they had an interest in Andrea Belotti. Now, they didn't end up going for, for Belotti, a player who scored against Atalanta last week. So it's possible that he may still be available. So that could be an option for, for Lazio to bring him in as the replacement for Carrera. Or that could be another player that Juve look at as a replacement for Cristiano Ronaldo. So there are strikers available and there are teams that are looking to sell. Despite the fact that Serie A and the Liga have done decent TV rights deal, they're still all in a hole from the pandemic. Some of these teams have been affected and they do have some debt to service. So strikers could be available at certain clubs. I don't think that's going to be the case for EPL teams. So I think Everton can hold out for a decent amount when you're looking at a moist keen But um, that's because they have ridiculous TV revenue deals and they were less affected by the pandemic as other teams across Europe, which is why we've seen EPL teams free spending this summer. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be interesting to see if Lazio do find a replacement. But I think until then, they've still got a Mobley and they've still got enough here to win games. Last weekend, they were comfortable winners at home to uh, sorry away to Empoli they got the job done in the first half got themselves um, got themselves behind actually they were 1-0 down at Empoli and then came back and their class showed with a 3-1 win here i think coming home they're going to have too much class here I, I haven't really got a strong lean here as to how you Get more value here because I think Lazio on the money line is the safest way to go. You could look at both teams to score because uh, Lazio have defensive frailties, but Spezia aren't necessarily a team that fill you with confidence to think that they can come here and score a goal at Lazio because this could end up being a very, very dominating and one-sided scoreline. I think one way to possibly bet it would be to take Lazio minus one on the Asian handicap line. Now, it's not Lazio minus 1.5 because that's plus money at 6-5 to and that's where you need Lazio to win by two goals. In my bet, all you need Lazio to do is win by one to push to make sure you don't lose any money and then you need to fight by two goals to actually win the bet. That one's available at four to six. I think that represents some decent value because I do think it's going to be a decent afternoon with Lazio here where they continue playing Sarri ball and continue to, to dominate and to look good. So Lazio minus one will be my play here for this one. Up next we do move on to the Juve game. Juventus are at home. They make their their home debut for the season. They play against Empoli where they are the one to four favorites. It's 19 to 4 on the draw and it's 19 to 2 here on Empoli Obviously, I think Juve win this game. It's just a case of how convincing they look. I actually like them here on the minus 1.5 handicap here. That one is available at 7 to 10. They have won 11 of their last 19 home games in Serie A by more than one goal. So when they do win, they do tend to be convincing. This Empoli team have lost their last two Serie B games of the 2020-21 season by more than one goal. And Juve have actually beaten Empoli by more than one goal in five of the last eight meetings. So pretty convincing data here. And Juve are going are to want to show that they're not going to miss Cristiano Ronaldo. I think we're going to see a team that rise to the occasion here. Obviously, supporters are not going to be happy with the sale. They're going to want to see someone come in. But temporarily, you can appease these supporters with a decent performance here in this one. So Juve minus 1.5 against Empoli here on Saturday. Up next, we look at Fiorentina at home to Torino, where Fiorentina here are available at 23-20. to 20. It's 12-5 to five here on the draw, and it's 2-1 to one here on Torino. Uh, Fiorentina are, are, are a team that are struggling here. They're obviously a big name in Italy. Everybody knows Fiorentina in the purple kit. Uh, Gabriel Battistuta used to play for them. They're, they're, they're iconic. But they're not in and around the the, even the top half of the table at the moment here in Italy. They're a team that's struggling so much so that uh, I think Torino could actually come here and get something. This is a Fiorentina team that have won only four of their last 16 Serie A fixtures at home. So their home ground isn't really proving to be any kind of fortress. Maybe it would be different here with supporters coming back. But in Italy, it's a very slow rollout where we may only see 50% of the supporters here in the ground. And this Torino team have only lost four of their last 13 Serie A away games. So they're a difficult team to beat. And they outshot Atalanta last weekend by 17 shots to six. Atalanta found it very, very difficult to play against Torino and were very lucky to come away with the win. So I think taking that momentum here to a a Fiorentina team who are very poor at home and in very poor form, I think it represents the opportunity for the underdog to come through here. I certainly like them to avoid a defeat. So Torino on the double chance market here in this one. Up next, we move across to Sunday. I'm going to try and speed through these games as quickly as I can. I don't like putting out massively long podcasts. I like to make digestible content. Obviously, a large portion of this was, was donated to talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. So next week, we watch, we will try and keep it under 30 minutes. Um, so as we look at that first Sunday game, it is Lazio traveling to Genoa, where they are the four or seven favorites here. It's 16 to five the draw, and it's 19 to four here on Genoa. I think Napoli showed how good they were last weekend, winning with 10 men. I don't think they'll have any issues here getting a road win against Genoa. I think they have a real chance... Of making themselves title contenders, especially when you look at the fact that Lukaku and Ronaldo are both leaving Serie A, two players that were so influential for the, the, the top two clubs in the market last season and, and the season before that. So I think there's a big chance for a Napoli or an Atalanta to, to come through here and put up a real title challenge. But in order to do that, you have to win games like this. And I think there's value here on Napoli at four to seven on the money line to win this game. Genoa, on the whole, are are pretty poor against teams in the top half of the table. And we saw last week Inter Milan just breezed past them. So, I don't see anything changing here for Genoa. I don't see a a big team coming to Genoa and struggling here, despite the fact they're going to have supporters back. So, there isn't unbelievable line value here, but it's good enough for me to consider Napoli here as a parlay piece and it's good enough for me to take it just as an individual pick because it falls under minus 200. So Napoli here on the money line. Sassuolo are at home to Sampdoria, who who lost to AC Milan at home last weekend. Sassuolo are the even-money favourites. It's 13-5 the draw, and it's 23-10 to on Sampdoria. For me, I think Sassuolo could, could get themselves into a Europa League spot this season. They're a team that are improving all the time. But their progress is a little bit slower than Atalanta, and obviously it hasn't been as vast where we've seen Atalanta emerging as the big improving team over the last five years in Italy where they consistently get through to the Champions League and are now real challenges for the league. But behind them, I think also in the conversation is Sassuolo. They've massively improved. They've massively established themselves in Serie A. They had a big win last weekend and I think there's value on on them here in the money line. Sampdoria couldn't get anything against an AC Milan team that were missing a whole bunch of key players and they still managed to get the win away to Sampdoria. So that doesn't bode well for Sampdoria, a team that couldn't score last weekend at home. I think they'll struggle against a Swallows attack. I like the value on Swallow here on the money line to pick up a win here in this one. Up next, we actually have AC Milan. They're at home to Cagliari here. They are the one to two favourites to win this game. Again, I think there's, there's value on that um, considering the situation, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's seven to two on the draw and it's eleven to two on Cagliari. I think you could do a lot worse than uh than having a small parlay on Sunday by just taking Napoli and AC Milan and possibly Sassuolo as a pick. Because despite the fact they are missing some players, I do think AC Milan will continue to win and they'll win this game. They were just handed a very tough draw in the Champions League. But I think the fact they were even in that Champions League draw is going to be a boost for AC Milan when you compare where they've been In previous seasons. I think this is a real step back to the big time. And I think Milan will enjoy playing this game against Calgary. Because this is a team that they tend to beat the last two meetings have seen Milan win both 3-0 at home and 2-0 away to Cagliari. That's a 5-0 aggregate across the last two games that they've played. So I think Milan end up winning this game. They come into this without a loss in in three games. However, I do think this may be a cagey game with less than two and a half goals scored in four of Milan's last five matches. However, Cagliari do have the, the counter stat to that where they've seen over two and a half goals scored in five of their last six games. They've also gone three games without a clean sheet. Milan haven't lost to Cagliari in the last eight games. They've been the first to score in four of those five games and they haven't conceded in five of those eight games. So everything here points to Milan. The price is correct and I'd be looking at Milan as a parlay piece here. So I'm going to take him at one to two minus 200. The final game here is um, Salernitana at home to Roma. Mourinho's Roma here are available at eight to thirteen to win this game. It's sixteen to five the draw, and it's seventeen to four on Salernitana. Now Salernitana will be looking forward to their first home game in Serie A, but it's coming up against Mourinho's side, who won three 0 away last weekend. Salernitana would have been more boosted here had they held on for something last week. They suffered a heart breaking loss away to Bologna a game where Salernitana were originally down to 10 men they went in at half time nil nil and then Bologna went down to 10 men and Salernitana subsequently scored the penalty that put them 1-0 up so it was a 10 on 10 situation and, uh, Salah were in front in the game. Bologna managed to equalize. Then Salonatana went back ahead with just 20 minutes to go. Then Bologna scored two goals in three minutes after that, equalising through Alnautovic on the 74th and getting the winner in the 77th minute. So that was heartbreaking for Salernitana. They looked like they were on course to at least get something in this Serie A debut, but it was a game where they didn't deserve anything from it. They they had 18 shots at goal against them, seven of those on target. They allowed Bologna to have 73% of the possession and uh, this is a Roma team that are much better than Bologna coming off the back of a 3 3-1 win to start the season last weekend at home to Fiorentina. Roma were also involved in a 10 versus 10 game, but the the 10 versus 10 really open the game up because once um, Fiorentina were down to 10 and Roma were down to 10 after 52 minutes prior to that um, Roma were 1-0 up at half time we saw three goals after that we saw Fiorentina equaliser and then we saw Roma quickly take hold of the game with Tammy Abraham being involved in goals as well he'll be looking to get his first goal of the Serie A season here away to Salernitana, which I think he'll see as an opportunity to get himself on the score sheet again a little bit of chalk here and I realise I've done that here with Roma and Milan and, and Napoli uh, throughout this show and even Inter today but um, it has to be the play here I do think that the top teams do continue to win here in Serie A this weekend until I see any reason to go against them I think are, these are good situations to take these top teams to continue winning here and Roma's another one so Roma here on the Moneyline 8-13 away to Salernitana. Closing out with a lock on this show I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the theme of the show. I'm gonna go with Juve here. I'm gonna go with Juve minus 1.5, with or without Cristiano Ronaldo. I think there's enough here in this team to, to pick up a pick up a win comfortably at home to Empoli. They have the statistical data to they suggest they've done that in the past. Looking at what the team might be here potentially, I think you're looking at Szczesny, Danilo. Matthias Delit, Leonardo Benucci, uh, Alexandro. You've then got Quadrado, Bentaker, Locatelli coming in. He's a big new signing. Uh, Bernadeschi, Morata up front with Dybala. That's enough for me. Although it's a standard 4 4 2 on paper, which is a very, very old school kind of formation and it's kind of gone out of fashion. I don't think Allegri cares because all Allegri does is gets results. And I think this uh, Juve team will be motivated by the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't want to play for them. The fact that he sees Juventus as a club where he isn't going to fulfill his ambitions for the old lady for Juve. That's going to be embarrassing. That's going to sting where someone is saying, I want to leave you Because I don't think you're ambitious enough for me. I don't think you're good enough for me. I don't think we can deliver. I don't think these players can deliver what I want from my career. Are you saying that to a... Benucci, a Chiellini, a Dabala. There's a lot of players here that will take great offense to that. And I think we're going to see a decent response here. It's hard for me to see Empoli scoring in this game, but last season under pillow, we saw Juve conceding goals left and right. We also see uh, Juve giving up a 2-0 lead last weekend. So, they want to, they're going to want to be a lot more solid here, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility that Empoli do score. But I think this Juve team have three goals in them to to counter that. I think we're we're going to need to see some better finishing here for Morata, especially if he's going to step up and be the man that temporarily replaces Cristiano Ronaldo and we don't get any kind of cover signing. If we don't see the likes of a Moise Keane or an Origi or anybody signed here, you could be looking at Alvaro Morata scoring a lot of games. Now, that can be good or that could be bad. That could be bad because Morata will end up missing a load of chances like he did in the Euros and that can destroy his confidence or he can start scoring goals. He can get a decent run in the team, something Morata has rarely had throughout his career and he could Turn out to be a very, very good goal scorer. He's always going to need one or two more chances than 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 most top strikers. But the good thing is here, you have the creativity to create those chances. And I think the key, not only for this game but for the entire season, is going to be Dybala. He wasn't that fit to play for Pirlo. He missed a large amount of last season, but he's fit again here, and he's going to be very, very important and dictate what Juve do. He can step out of the shadow of Cristiano Ronaldo. He can take the penalties again. He can take the free kicks again. He can be an important player. This 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 loss of Cristiano Ronaldo might not be as big as people think he is. Then don't forget, Juve were winning these titles without Cristiano Ronaldo in the first place. Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't an Allegri signing. Allegri's never managed Cristiano Ronaldo, in fact. And he was the guy that won five titles in a row without him. So all is not lost. Would I like to see a striker come in? Would I like to see him spend this money by getting this... Um, this parasite off the wage bill? Yes, I would like to see that. But I certainly don't think it's a disaster if they don't get one. They could still sort this out in January. And I think they've got more than enough to cover this Asian handicap line this weekend against Empoli. So Juve minus 1.5 is your lock for this edition of Scamessa Italia. That's it for me. Good luck of all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.